0: God has been speaking intimacy to me. Um, Gosh, I love to be intimate with the Lord any day, all the time. Um, But just in the last probably year, year and a half, God has been speaking about intimacy, about being closer to Him, drawing near to Him. Um, And then our pastor friends Jody and Vanessa Romero came, and we were asking them. You know, anytime our pastor friends come, we're like, okay, what do you think? What do we need sharpened on? What do we do well? What is God? What do you see God doing in our body? Just to kind of get that outside perspective and they had wonderful things to say, but one thing that Vanessa said that stuck out in my mind was she said, your church doesn't quite understand intimacy with God. And I was instantly like, oh, yes we do. (laughs) But here I was praying that our church would become more intimate with the Lord, and that was okay for me to know and pray, but when she said, I'm like, she is wrong. Um, She was right. I prayed about it. I was already praying about it, but It is true. We need to grow, and not that we ever arrive. It's not like a year from now we can go, okay, we're intimate with God, on to the next thing. We are always growing in intimacy with the Lord. But as a church, this message tonight is as a church body, I feel like, and Mark feels like, the Lord is calling us to a deeper place of intimacy with him. And originally when I was studying, I felt like it was more personal. And the more I studied and the more I prayed, it's definitely more as a church. And both of them go hand in hand. As we're more intimate with him personally, we become more intimate with him as a church. But this message is more about our church Impact Rock becoming more intimate with him. So as we listen tonight and as we allow the Lord to speak to us, I want us to ask him to give us the bigger picture of what that does when we as a church become more intimate with him. What what does that how does that impact things? How does that change the things around us is it just so that we have more awesome worship in this building is it just so that we at our prayer meetings it's more passionate and it's more fiery or at our women's breakfast that people are getting healed or is there a bigger picture so i just want you to think about that as we go through the night think about what god is asking us in the bigger picture when we become a more intimate church with the lord what does that change going to shift our hearts tonight. That's what I've been praying. So if you want to turn your Bibles to Psalm 84, we are going to be in the entire chapter tonight. Um, And just to give you a little background, um, they're not totally sure who wrote this Psalm, Psalm 84. Most of the scholars think it was David, of course. Um, And so I'm just going to read through the whole chapter and then we're going to kind of break it down. So Psalm 84. How lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord of hosts. My soul longs Yes, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the sparrow a nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will sit, or they will still be praising you. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. O Lord of God of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord. My God, then dwell in the tents of the wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. Mm, It's good stuff. All right. So in verse 1 and verse 2, How lovely is your tabernacle, O O Lord of hosts. Why is the tabernacle lovely? I think it's very hard for us in this day and age to fathom a tabernacle with all its beauty and splendor and all the ornate things that they had and the placement of everything in the outer courts and the inner courts and the holy of holies and all of those things. I don't think we understand what that is like. But let's just imagine how lovely is your tabernacle, O Lord. But why was it so lovely? Because that is where God resided. That is why, where God dwelled, where he was. What was the purpose of the tabernacle? Where people would come to meet with God, to be in his presence, and to commune with him, right? That's why they would go there. So there was a difference in the Old Testament where they had to go into the tabernacle to be able to worship, Right? And not everybody could just go in. Only certain people could go in. And only certain people could go to certain places within that. And so think about that today. When Jesus died, the veil was torn so that we, our everyday selves, our sinful selves, right, could go right in. We can go right in. Right into his presence. So I want you to, our shifting needs to be as we read this to think about how it was then not how it is now, because it's obviously very different, right? Jesus, the Savior, saved the day. It's totally different. Um, But this was the tabernacle. So it was this place that people would travel to, to go to, to be in his presence. They couldn't just sit and be in the presence of God, in your car, or in some random place all the time, like we can today. They would have to go to the tabernacle to meet with God. So verse 2 says, My soul longs, yes, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. The psalmist says here are several things. My soul longs, my soul faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart cries out, and my flesh cries out for the living God. The desire he had was very deep. His soul was yearning for God. So you see this is a passionate verse where he is longing for, He keeps repeating himself, like, My soul longs, my my soul faints, my heart longs, my heart faints, and, and my flesh cries out. He's saying all of these things. In commentaries I read, this is kind of the way that they described how this psalmist was. It was as though he could not long hold out. He had a holy love sickness upon him and was wasted with an inward consumption because he was debarred the worship of the Lord in the anointed place. A love sickness. Have you ever been love sick? You're just, that's all you can think about and you just, mm, it's, it's paining, right? You're just love sick. And that's how the psalmist was. When I was studying, um, I just love how God works and how he confirms things. Um, as I was writing this and, and putting all my thoughts, I had like different things that I had printed out and different scriptures I had out. So I had this whole like slew of stuff. And I'm listening to IHop in the background and the worship's just going. And all of a sudden, I think it was Misty Edwards, starts singing about her us being love sick for the Lord. And I just started weeping, and I know it sounds silly, but God confirms when He's speaking something specific. Not He wasn't just speaking to me, He's speaking to our church. He wants us to be love sick. Where we long for Him and we yearn for Him and we We can't stop thinking about him and his presence. I just felt like that was God confirming just he wants us to be lovesick for him. So can you imagine being banned from worshiping your father? If someone or or God or something said, okay, that's it. I'm drawing the line. You no longer can worship God. Sorry. What would that really look like? You couldn't worship him with music. You couldn't read your Bible. You couldn't get on your knees and bow before him. You couldn't cry out to him. You couldn't, you know, raise the banner of victoriousness in your life. You just, it was done. Would you be in the same spot? where you like, oh, my heart. It just yearns for you, God. It just I have to be in your presence. My soul longs. It even faints for you. Just let me be in your presence. Let me be in your courts again. I'm skipping ahead, but it even goes into, the birds even get to sit in your tabernacle. They get to make their nest there and have their children there and sing to you. He was jealous of the birds. Would you be jealous of the birds? Right? I would. If we couldn't do that, this is where he's at. The psalmist declared and could not remain silent in his desires, but began to cry out to God. He cried out, he wept, he sighed, he pleaded for the privilege of being in his presence. He pleaded. I love this when it talks about um, my heart and my flesh cry out. It's not very often that our flesh is inclined to righteousness, right? Usually we're putting our flesh in check and the word says not to walk in the flesh, to walk in the spirit. He says, even my flesh cries out for the living God. What? What? Our flesh doesn't cry out for God. Our flesh needs to, we always have to tell the flesh what to do. Cry out for God, flesh. Rise up within me, old soul. You know? It doesn't just do that on its own. I guess maybe it does if you're in this place. But I know my flesh. I always got to put it in check. You love God. You do the right thing. Right? Even as flesh is crying out. So we're going to talk a little bit in these next couple of verses about Tabernacles. So we understand it wasn't just the physical tabernacle that he was trying to get to or that he was longing for. It was God. It was the presence of God that dwelt in the tabernacle. It was as if he was impatient and greedy to get there. He coveted that presence of the Lord just to commune with him. All right, so verse 3 and 4, I'm going to read it even though we already talked about it. Even the sparrow has found a home and the sparrow and nest for herself, where she may lay her young. Even your altars, O God of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They will still be praising you. All right, on to verse 5. Here in this next verse is the heart of what I feel like God is wanting us to really hear and really grab a hold of as a church. Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. It doesn't sound very... Outstanding, right? Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. So, that word pilgrimage means a journey to a place associated with someone. So, as we pilgrimage, we are on a journey to a place to meet with someone, to meet with God. We as Christians are on a journey to meet with God, right? Our whole life, that's what we do. We are on a journey, a constant journey, to meet with God, to know God, to hear God, to be like God, to share God, right? That's what we as Christians believe. That's what we do. That's what we live every minute of every day. I want to be with God. I want to look like God. I want to smell like God. I want to talk like God. I want to reflect God. I want to share God, right? So that word pilgrimage is that journey to that place. So every year, the Jewish people were were required to travel to Jerusalem to worship God in the temple. As they journeyed from wherever they were living, they would sing songs, much like we do in our cars, right? To make the journey shorter. They didn't have iPods and Pandora and all these really cool things. You can have whoever you want at the tip of your finger to listen to. So they would sing songs. They would travel these journeys from wherever they lived and a lot of times it was a long journey to the temple, to the tabernacle, to the place of worship. So they would sing songs. Charles Spurgeon, I have a a little paragraph I want to read of something that he wrote. Pilgrimages to the tabernacle were a great feature of Jewish life. In our own country, pilgrimages to the shrine of Thomas of, I'm probably sounding this out wrong, Canterbury, and Our Lady of Wallingham were so general as to the effect that the entire population caused the formation of roads, the erection and maintenance of the hostels, which were the lodging for the travelers. So there were so many people that would make this journey that it would begin to form a road, right? Because they're all traveling, they're all doing it, they're going to the, to the place of worship. This may help us to understand the influence of pilgrimage among the ancient Israelites. Families joined together, making bands which grew at each halting place. They camped in sunny glades, sang in unison along the roads, toiled together over the hill and through the swamp, and as they went along stored up happy memories which would never be forgotten. One who was debarred the holy company of the pilgrims and the devout worship of the congregation would find in the psalm fit a fit expression for his mournful spirit. So they all journeyed together on these paths that eventually made paths so people could see the way to the temple to worship. And along the way, they had life, right? They probably had children. They watched their children grow up. They sang songs together. They ate together. They slept together. They they fought off whatever creatures were in the land, whatever weather that came by. They bonded together on their journey to the king. Hello? Does that sound anything like what we do? We pilgrimage. We do life together. We eat together. We fight battles together. We share in each other's victories. We help raise each other's children. We share the joys together. We cry together. Is that not a beautiful reflection of the body of Christ? And all the while, we are journeying where? To find God. To be close to God. To be closer to him, to commune with him, to hear him. And along the way, we sharpen each other. We encourage each other. Sharon, you can do it. Come on. You can do it. I know it's hard, but Jeremiah 29 11 says this. Right? And we sharpen each other. Hey, Chris, man, that's not the path. you got to get over here. God's, God's over here. Come on. You're good. Yeah. Right? But we encourage each other. We sharpen each other. We love each other. We pick each other up. When one of us falls down, we share the burden together. This is a lot like what they did. And what's beautiful is, in in talking about Mark's message next week, the pioneering, we are not supposed to set up camp. Do you notice that it said that they, um, they journeyed together making bands which grew at each halting place? So they halted, right? They had to sleep. They had to kind of set up camp maybe for a little bit to regroup or to kill off some animals to get more food or whatever it was that they needed to do. But they didn't stop there, right? Because where was their destination? The presence of God, the tabernacle, the temple, the worship place, right? So they didn't stop there and go, you know what? So stinking tired. Kids are a mess. or are having meltdowns. This is a great place. We're just going to stay here, right? They kept going. They kept journeying on together because their ultimate goal was the presence of God. We're going one place. Together, we're going one place. And in that, these formations began. And the people behind, do you think it made it easier for them to follow? Where's the temple? I got to worship God. I just, I got to worship God. I don't know how to get there. Oh, there's this fabulous little road that I can take all the way there. As we worship God as a body, as we embrace what He's doing, as we pursue Him, We are making a path. We are making a highway. There's a scripture in Isaiah 35 that talks about the highway. We are making a highway so that people behind us that we may not even know, we've made the path, we're like, yep, this is the way to God. Yep, we're going, we're going. And they're like, oh, there's the path. They don't even know who made it, but we helped. Right? We helped plow it. We helped go. And they can hop right on that path, and they can go right to the Lord. Isn't that a beautiful thing? Amen. The people were blessed because they dwelt far away from the tabernacle, but they had the earnest desire to get to his presence. They they weighed the cost, and they said, Yep, I'm taking the journey. Like, there's not an option, right? I'm taking the journey. I'm going to the presence of God. I have to get there. The psalmist is desperate. I have to be in your presence. On to verse 6. As with any journey, there are landmarks that we recognize along the way. Verse 6 says, as they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a spring. The rain also covers it with pools. So that valley of Baca, there's different ideas of what it might be. They're not even totally sure where it was. Um, some think it's a valley of rain, which was due to the springs and water that were there. The valley of weeping, because this might be where Israel wept and judges too when confronting their sin. And the third idea is that it's a dry valley that just developed pools during rainy seasons, and that's, that's where it was. Either way, the point of it being a landmark is clear. Israel, in general, is very dry, very barren and arid. So the roads get hot and dusty, and the travelers, can you imagine, very thirsty. Right? So, so this valley of Baca is an actual valley with pools of water. So it's like a point of interest. It's a landmark. So when they're journeying on, they refer to this place. So if you can picture a dry, long road journey, kids, animals, food. They lived on the road, right? It wasn't like our luxury in our cars. We have all these fast foods and like they they were traveling. They were living literally on the road and all of a sudden there's these pools of water. It was a landmark. Do you think God used that as refreshing? As a second wind, you can do this. When we get dry and we have those hard times in life, which we all do, And as a church, we go through that as a church, too. There's just times where we have to push a little harder. God's trying to, you know, bring us to something, and it gets a little difficult, and it gets a little bit of that resistance. God brings those pools of water to us so that we can find that refreshing, so that we don't give up. Do not lose heart. Do not grow weary in doing good, the word says. So those pools, we find those together, and we say, hey, it's over here. The water's over here. Come on. So those landmarks, I know if you drive, when I drive, I don't know streets, so I'm like, okay, at the 7-Eleven, go right, and then you're going to see a school right there. This is how I tell people how to get to our new house. There's a school. At the school, take a right, and it's got a dead end. Go left, you know, or whatever. So we use landmarks a lot of times, right? And if you look back in your Christian walk, do you not have landmarks? That's when I had my baby. That's when God spoke this. That's when we started at this new church and God really began to show us this. There are landmarks in our life, so Along our journey, there are landmarks that we need to look at and remember so that we can tell others when they're behind us, gosh, I'm just really at this place. Oh, I know about that place. Here, read the scripture. This will bring you refreshing. Here, let me help you with that, right? So same for our lives as, as these travelers. They did life together. They did church together. They worshiped together. They sang praises together. They faced life together. They found refreshing together. Fellowship together as we pursue God on this travel is like water to your soul. I think every week after we worship, I'm like, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. And I'm like, I said that last week. And I'm like, but it just comes out. <laughs> because it is, it is good to be in the house of God. We get to worship him together. He created us to do this thing together. And what I love about this church is we we see each other throughout the week. We call each other. We email each other. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. That's what we're supposed to be doing. All right, let's move on to verse 7. It says, They go from strength to strength. Each one appears before God in Zion. So together we go from rest stop to rest stop. From a pool of water to a pool of water. We go from place to place. You don't just, I'm there. Like our short flights now. You're just there. Clear across the country. Right? We go from a certain place to a certain place. There's kind of those landmarks and those seasons and those things. And we do those together. And as a body, as we grow in intimacy, we will begin to progress on that journey. And not that we're not progressing, but if God is speaking intimacy, then we jump in and we get that thing. (laughs) We start studying about it. We start praying about it. We start eating it. We start thinking about it. We start discussing it with our friends. What is he saying to us? It might not always be intimacy. Today, in this season, God is speaking intimacy. We need to be intimate with him. And then there's a different season where he's speaking love or he's speaking faith or he's speaking something and we embrace that. But for right now, he wants us to get the idea that we have got to be communing with him. We have got to be in his presence. It can't just be Mark. It can't just be Sharon. It can't just be Michelle or whoever. It's got to be all of us pursuing the most awesome God ever. And then together, when we get together, it's powerful. And then when we go out into the community, we have something to offer them. I always tell the worship team, and I've always been taught this, you can't take the people where you haven't gone. If you're up here leading worship and you haven't worshipped all week, you haven't prayed all week, or maybe it's been a rough season and you're like, I'm busy, you can't take the people where you haven't been. Right? As leaders, we can't take them where we haven't been. As parents, we can't take our children. What, we can teach them what we don't know. Now, granted, the Holy Spirit can jump in at any time. I have had that happen. We're like, blah, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know that. That was awesome. So, <laughs> not what I'm talking about. He can do whatever he wants to do. But you see, my point is that it's him, right? It's him, and we got to be connected to the source. Do it together. All right, so verse 8 and 9. Lord of hosts, hear my prayer. Give ear, O God of Jacob. O God, behold our shield and look upon the face of your anointed. So basically what these scriptures are telling me is he knew in order for this to happen, to get into his presence, that God would have to hear his prayers and be his shield. As they were journeying, don't we need a shield? Isn't life hard sometimes? Right? Life is hard sometimes. And we need that shield. He is our shield. So as we're journeying and the battles get tough, we want to turn around and go, you know what? I had camp back here. It was pretty nice. I'm just going to go over here. The Lord's our shield. He's our protector. He's our defender. And that's what he was praying. Lord, hear my prayers and be my shield. Verse 10 through 12. For a day in your courts is better than a thousand. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give grace and glory. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. O Lord of hosts, blessed is the man who trusts in you. I can barely read that last part without crying. Better is one day. Do you know how fast one day goes? I wake up and I think I'm going to do all this stuff and I have my list and I have all this stuff and then the day's over and I'm like, it went too fast. (laughs) <laughs> you know, you get like a few things done, and you're like, what did I do all day? The days just go fast, but better is one little day in the presence of God, in his courts, than a thousand days anywhere else. Anywhere. It doesn't even have to be somewhere terrible. He's talking about wickedness and other lands and stuff, but anywhere, right? One day. They traveled and traveled and traveled, and he's saying, One day in your courts. It's not like us just sitting in the presence in our house on our comfy couch. God, i just sit here all day. They had to journey. They had to fight for it. They had to work for it. And he still says, better is one day in your presence. Another song I heard is that I was listening to IHOP today. They were singing about, even if you never, even if I never saw another healing, even if you never said another word to me, God, even if I never heard your voice again, I would still love you. When you know God, the manifestations, the healings, the pouring out, Him speaking to you, those are wonderful. But we got to know at our very core that He is worthy, that He is God. If everything was stripped away, everything, I will still love my God with all my heart. My soul will still cry out for you, God. How many times do we get in those hard places and we we just kind of he just becomes as distant. And you'll talk to people, and they're like, well, I used to love God, but... And they just kind of forget. We can't forget. Even in the hard times, even when we're sick, even when we're battling, we cannot forget how wonderful our God is. So real quick, I'd like to read one more scripture. Luke 7, it's two verses, 36 through 38. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. Do you remember? He didn't really like the Pharisees. Remember that? They're kind of religious, and he's having dinner with them. Just thought that was a good point. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on there. There are two things that stand out to me here. One, she did this as an act of love, an act of respect. This was, back in that day, it was accounted the highest piece of respect to anoint somebody. The fragrance of the oil was beautiful. And the people there were like, why is she doing that? That's ridiculous. That's like a year's worth of wages. And she just poured it on his feet. And he's like, leave her alone. What she did was a wonderful thing. Nothing that we have could be costly enough for our king. Right? He gets our everything. He gets our best. He gets our first. He doesn't get the leftovers at the end of the day. Hey, God. Hey, God night. <laughs> Tired. <laughs> he, gets, he gets the best. He gets the first fruits. He gets our heart, right? The second thing that stands out to me is she did this as an act of faith. She was saying that she believed he was the anointed one, the Messiah. She was setting him in as her king when she was anointing him. He was getting ready for burial and nobody knew that, but it was this was the preparation right before. She was anointing him before his burial. How, what a spiritual, amazing, prophetic thing that she's doing. And the Pharisees are like, that's stupid. But here she is pouring out her heart, and she anointed him as her king. We have got to anoint him as our king. It's one of those continual things We're like, you're king. Yes, Lord. You are my God. Whatever you say, I will do. Right? It's that continual thing. What I love about this is it says she was an immoral woman. But She knew who he was. She, she heard, she saw, she's something. Because she showed up at the door. It didn't even say she knew him like it was her brother or something. She just heard that Jesus was eating dinner at this house. She goes in and anoints his feet. So that goes along with what Mark was saying last week. Who's going to tell them? We have to tell people. And if our life is centered at the very core with God and we're communing with him, it's just going to come out. Because we love him so much. We're like, Nate, i got to tell you something. Mark, Jordan, listen up. Right? Because we just can't help ourselves because we're in love. We're lovesick. She saw or heard and went, and she knew he was the king. So God wants us to choose his presence above everything else, right? Andy, will you come up? He desires for our hearts to be undivided and fully devoted to him. So what area in your life, in my life, do we have an undivided heart? Or do we have a divided heart that needs to be undivided? Are there areas where we haven't given them to God, where we're kind of teetering, or where we hold back we kind of hold it this. Well, this part's mine. Or we take ownership of stuff. Our whole lives, we journey, we journey, we journey together. Let's do this thing, right? Let's do this thing. Let's be the body. And I think we do a good stinking job. Why? Because we follow him. We're not the best church on the block. We don't have all the fancy stuff. And I don't really care. We've talked about that. Like, we could go spend all this money and do this and that and these programs. And it's like, no, we're just going to follow Jesus. <laughs> you know? We just want to be the church. Can we be better at that? Absolutely. And let me tell you, if we get intimate with God, I guarantee you we will make a bigger impact. Personally and as a church. What does that look like? Worshiping in your car sitting at the feet of Jesus with no sounds at all in the quiet of your house when everybody's in bed just pouring out your heart before God it means listening to him you could be at a busy airport but that that funnel man it's open, I'm hearing God I'm walking around and it's crazy and there's all these people I'm hearing God why? because I know my father's voice I know my daddy, and I'm looking for opportunities. Can I share the gospel with somebody? Can I love somebody? Can I smile at someone and brighten their day? It could be grabbing your kids' hands and saying, guys, let's pray. And hearing those little prayers. Oh, my goodness, when we bought our house, we went and sat on the floor. Before, we had a single thing in there. And we said, we're going to pray. And we're going to ask God to bless this house. We're going to thank him because he's so stinking faithful. So Mark started and we began to pray and then one of the kids prayed and one of the kids prayed and they kept praying and i kept trying to like i want to pray <laughs> and they kept praying and then i just was like i'm just gonna sit here because this is awesome just hearing their prayers of thankfulness god you're faithful lord thank you for our neighbors thank you that we're an Erie and that we're going to change people's life for jesus thank you that we sold our house and the timing and I mean, the prayers. And then they kept praying for the neighbors. I'm like, dang, our neighbors are, they better watch out. Our kids are going to be like, do you know Jesus? (laughs) Do you know Jesus? (laughs) But that's the presence of God pursuing him. It's not this very super spiritual, you have to have an hour before the sun comes up or something. I think we kind of have in our head of what it might look like. It is doing life together. It is being intimate with him. It is pursuing Him above every other thing. And I know that you are just like me. You're being pulled by culture, by people, by busyness, by your family, by your kids, by work. Here, here, I need you, I need you, I need you. Do this, do that. We're all being pulled in a million directions, but we have got to focus. I tell my kids all the time, focus! We have got to focus in and make room. Make room for him. Put him first. And when we're intimate with him, think of the impact we will make. The bigger impact. When we're connected to the source. We can do nothing. Right? If we're disconnected from him, right? It's just in vain. It's just emptiness. We don't have anything to offer. I have nothing to offer in myself. But with Jesus, I have everything to offer. Everything. I'm a daughter of the king. I have everything to offer because I'm giving him him. Meet my Jesus. But How can I give Jesus if I don't know him? So my encouragement to you, my encouragement to me is to find that secret place. Get in there. If you don't know what that means, talk to me. I will come to your house, and I will bring my keyboard if I have to, and we will worship, and we will get in the presence of God. We will read Scripture. We have got to get in His presence and know Him. Know His heart as a church, as a body. Right? You always hear the old sayings about people in the pews. They don't really know anything. They're just relying on the pastor to tell them truth. We are not that. You guys know your word. You know the word. You know his presence. You know your father. So let's do that more. Let's be more intimate. And you know what? If things get exposed, if things come out to light, praise God. Cause then we can get rid of them. Right? Sometimes we're like, but I got junk in there. <laughs> Don't shine your light over there. Cause we're afraid. We're fearful. There's no fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. God wants to expose things so that we can be free. So if you're battling things, if you're struggling, let's get it out there. Let's let God heal and deliver and set free. Amen? Amen. So Impact Rock, these are just a few notes that I wrote. A church on the move, always moving forward, looking ahead for what God has, where he is, and what he is doing. Talk about jumping on the bandwagon. Everything that I see God doing, I'm on that. I'm on that bandwagon. Yep. We're getting on that thing. Whatever he's doing. A church that is always moving and searching for him. Advancing, impacting, pioneering, and making a way so that others can find him. Amen. If you wouldn't mind just standing, I would just like to pray this over us tonight. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands to your daddy. Father God, we thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you that you love us. Every second of every minute of every day, you love us. Lord, I pray over this church that we would be a church of intimate relationship with you, God. Lord, and I thank you that as we pursue you, you pursue us. And you pursue us before that. But as your word says, as we knock, you open. Lord, as we seek you, we find you. So, God, I pray that you would stir a hunger within each one of us and with all of us as a church body to go deeper. To dive into your presence. To dive into your glory. To pursue you. To be committed, steadfast, pursuant in our love for you, God. Lord, I thank you for everybody in here. I thank you that you have wonderful things that you will share. Wonderful revelation, healings, manifestations, glory, insight and wisdom, power, grace and love and faith. God, that you have so many good things to give to us, to impart to us, to share with us. And, Lord, I pray that each one of us would purpose in our hearts to be a church that is intimate. That means we would know you more, that we would commune with you more, that we would be connected to you more, God, that we would not be a surface church, Lord, that we would be a church that goes deep into your presence, deep into your ways, God. God. That we would know your heart. I pray that over us, God. I thank you for your faithfulness, Lord. And I thank you that along the journey, we do it together. I thank you that you provide pools of water and refreshing. Lord, I thank you that we get to encourage each other and sharpen each other and lift each other up. God, I thank you that you did not design this where we have to do it on our own. That you designed it that we could walk together on a journey, a pilgrimage, to find the King of Kings, to find the glory. Let it be so, in Jesus' name. Amen.